Welcome to the Monkey Mind Podcast, your number one platform for athletes and mental health. Hosted by myself, Danny Perez. This is episode 75 featuring Dr. Megan Cannon. Dr. Megan is a former multi-sport athlete, now turned sport and performance psychologist. But before we get into today's episode, we have a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Daily Dose CBD Inc. Daily Dose CBD Inc. creates full-spectrum CBD products ranging from tinctures, bombs, and dog treats. Research has shown that CBD has successful results in aiding in the following areas. Anti-inflammation, anxiety, PTSD, help with breaking addiction, neuroprotection, epilepsy, arthritis, chronic pain, and sleeping disorders. Daily Dose meets an extremely safe and effective product that we know you will love, enjoy, and benefit from. Daily Dose has given Monkey Mind listeners 15% off all their orders. Head over to DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off your purchases. That's promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off all your orders at DailyDoseCBDInc.com. Awesome. All right. Well, so welcome. Uh, we have Dr. Megan Cannon on today. She's a sports and performance psychologist. Um, you're out of Pennsylvania, correct? Allentown, PA? Yes. Awesome. Well, welcome on. I'm super excited to have you on here. And if you can just please introduce yourself, tell everybody about, you know, your sports performance background and um, all that good stuff. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm Dr. Megan. I am a sport and performance psychologist. I currently have a practice that's based within that Allentown, um, Pennsylvania area, but I have the opportunity to work with teams and athletes um, all over the country, which has been really fun and exciting. My background, I was an athlete growing up. I swam, I played softball, I danced. I retired from the athletic piece in college, but continued to dance. Um, But then it was at that point where I introduced the psychology piece of things. And then so from undergrad, went and got a, my PhD in clinical psych. And it just so happened there was a sports psychologist at my university. And so I started working with him and like these two parts of my world, you know, the athlete world and then the psychology world really had this chance to kind of fuse together. And so I had the opportunity to work with all of the athletes at our university at Nova Southeastern University. We did some concussion stuff, but then also we were the therapists that were basically on retainer for the athletes where they would come to us. They would never, you know, go to the typical counseling center and we would work with them on either more clinical stuff or performance stuff. And so that was really, for me, this really cool fusion of like, you know, both parts of both huge areas in my world. And so um, since then I've been in practice for six going on seven years and I work with athletes individually. I work with teams, speak at conferences. Um, we'll also consult with athletic departments, um, whether that's you know addressing the entire student athlete population at that university or just talking with the athletic administration of, of resources and the best way to maximize what's on campus or how we can like make things happen. So it's been a really fun ride. I've had a lot of cool opportunities. And so um, I'm sure we'll kind of dive more into those, but that is the, I guess, the short version of me. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, I actually haven't really heard of too many universities doing things like that, where they're involving people like yourself and professionals of that nature um, to kind of get involved with the athletic community and the overall community. It's, I think that that's pretty cutting edge for, obviously, mental health is becoming, you know, in the mm-hmm. forefront right now, which is great. But 
right something like that is awesome um that's pretty new that i haven't heard of that before yeah you know it is and it and that was you know several years ago so it was like so groundbreaking um more and more programs are starting to to ask that question and try to figure it out in uh, 2016 the ncaa really put this like kind of mandate out or, or 2000 yeah, and they, uh, sorry 2019 and no, it was 2016. I'm just like getting old. Oh, no worries. Oh, but anyway, All good. <laughs> you know, but they, you know, were saying, Hey, we really need to set this precedent. And so, you know, although that was several years ago, it's, it's trickling down. And so schools are trying to figure it out, but it's still not, not, not something on every university by any means at all. No. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, as far as sports psychology, what made you want to get into you know, clinical psychology first and then sports psychology. Was there, you know, any events throughout your athletic career or personal life that maybe kind of triggered you to, you know, have that interest in it? Or was it just kind of, hey, let me, you know, this is interesting to me regardless. And I'll just kind of go this this route. Yeah, you know, that's a great question. The it's a little bit of both, where for the psychology piece of things, I took a psychology class in high school that was ironically taught by the football coach, which is I feel this like beautiful circular moment yep, there. Yep. But um, you know, I, I was interested in it. And I was, I remember thinking like I was the only one of my friends that liked it. So that was interesting. I went into college undecided, but just decided to take some more psych classes to kind of explore more. So that piece was was pretty organic from the sport piece that you know, it's so interesting, like now looking back at it, because I didn't have a language for the experience, but, you know, part of the contribution of my retirement from softball was because I was so anxious, like whatever, I, you know, and now looking back, but I am thinking about it now of, you know, I would just like stress out for games. I would hope the ball wouldn't get hit to me. I was so fearful, you know, and so it made it just not enjoyable at all. And, and, and hearing the stories of the athletes that I work with, I'm like, oh my goodness, like I get it. You know, I've, I've been mm -hmm. there. And so at the time I didn't realize I was there once I had that language and knowledge of just, oh my goodness, like that's why that kind of sucked so much, you know, versus mm -hmm. other things. So, um, a little bit of a, a little bit of both. Yeah, that's actually, I'm so happy you said that. Um, cause I think a lot of athletes deal with that. I'm for, for one have hundred percent dealt with that where you just, you don't want the puck on your stick and you get it super anxious within most, you know, situations on the ice or the field or the court, whatever the case is. And like yourself, um, I ended up being done with hockey and having to take time away because I was just so anxious going into the rink and just being around it and playing hockey. And it's a shame because obviously I'm sure you can agree that it's you're so passionate about the sport you play. But for some reason, these thoughts, these worries, these anxieties kind of creep in and force you to you know, leave something that you're so passionate about. It just doesn't really make sense, but it also does if you're involved. You know what I mean? If you're in absolutely, it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. 100% understand what you're saying. And then on top of that, you having that background and those experiences, it, you have firsthand experience that you can help these athletes, you know, go through these issues, which holds so much more weight than, you know, someone who didn't have those experiences. Not that it doesn't, but I just think it holds way more when you've been there, done that. So I think that's awesome that you have that experience unfortunately, but it can help pave a better path yeah. for the next generation, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, I mean, diving into the whole sports psychology piece, just for those who don't really fully know what sports psychology is, you know, what's the, you know, I guess definition of in layman's terms so that people can kind of understand it, you know, yeah. in the simplest terms. I, my, my very, very brief elevator pitch is it's the strength and conditioning coach for your brain and your emotions, which okay. your bring into the game and competition literally every single time, whether you're aware of it or not. Um, and so 
you know, we, from the sports psychology piece inside have the opportunity to work with athletes to build tools and equipment, basically, you know, for them to utilize that practice, utilizing games throughout the season, throughout training to help them manage anxiety, build confidence, goal setting, you know, manage just the emotional piece of it. And then since my background is also in clinical, those people in the sports psychology space that are clinical sports psychologists, we have the opportunity of, of working with athletes, both on the, the performance enhancing boots on the ground in your game piece, but also like the life piece, because every athlete is also a human being. And so, you know, you're going to have the breakups, the family drama, you know, like there's team dynamics, there's going to be things. And so it's also to help provide them a space for, for things in that direction as well. Yep. In regards to the confidence aspect, I think a lot of athletes struggle with this at some point. Well, every athlete struggles with it at some point, but some more than others. Um, what are some of the tools, tactics, or methods that you teach athletes to combat, you know, dealing with low confidence and helping build up their confidence? Yeah. You know, confidence is, it's something that we like agree is important, but never talk about like what it is. Mm -hmm. And so it's ultimately like your belief as an athlete or individual that you have the skills necessary to do a certain task, whether that's, you know, one element of your sport or of an entire game. And so now we can actually look at it and say, well, do I have the skills necessary to shoot the ball or do that? Like, well, yeah. And so, so now we're actually looking at something more concrete versus, oh, I like believe in me. So like, first we need like a good definition first and yep. foremost. And then, you know, looking at it in that perspective, I compare confidence to deodorant. Like it's something that as an athlete, you absolutely have to apply and work on every day sometimes multiple times a day. And so what that looks like is, you know, after a practice or after a game, sitting down and in one spot, writing three successes, three things you did well and forget outcome, you know, of games and things. It's the process. It's the, the smaller components that you're doing every day at practice. And so it's using those experiences and creating this list to just help promote that confidence growth, but also our brains go negative more automatically. As an athlete or human being, you do 20 reps of something, 19 of them are good, one is not good. You leave that practice space with the one replaying in your mind and the 19 get thrown out. Mm -hmm. So you need to stop and take that time, apply that deodorant, write those things that you did that day in practice or in your game that were successful, the improvements. And so that you can build that voice over time um, but also like this, this tool you can have with you and bring you and bring with you and read over as a piece of your mental equipment before a game. And so that's something that all of the athletes I work with, like I absolutely encourage them to do. And um, it's something that can be really helpful and a concrete thing to help establish more confidence. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I heard the other day that someone said confidence isn't real and they're absolutely right, but it made me think because it's not like a real tangible thing that we can see or, or feel but it's like majority you know sports are all mental or majority is mental and you know we focus on the minority which is the physical aspect more so obviously there's been a shift lately but yeah that confidence piece is so important and it's just like you said about the whole negative thoughts our, our brain is wired to think more negatively than it is positively so like you said about the the 20 reps 19 are good one's bad and you're, that's all you're going to focus on. And I know every athlete can relate to that. So mm -hmm. that's super frustrating, but I like that, you know, that exercise of writing down the three things that you've done that are good in that day, despite the outcome, because another thing we've talked about a ton here is 
focusing on the process and not the outcome because we're everyone is so outcome driven, which is totally fine. But when you focus on the outcome too much, that's where the anxieties really lie as opposed to the anxieties kind of go away when you just straight up get lost in the process and kind of, that, mm-hmm. you know, find that flow state. Absolutely. And, and the thing about outcome, like you don't control it. As much as you want to think about it, like there's, you know, referees, there's opponents, there's weather for some sports. There's, there's so many other elements and factors that you basically at that point, just give your confidence away. So Mm -hmm. focusing back on that process is really, and yourself and what you're doing is, is really so helpful for confidence. And you're totally right. That anxiety management piece, it's huge. Yep. As far as like we talked about with the mental side of athletics, Statistically speaking, do we know how much of athletics is on the mental side of it as opposed to the physical component? Because I feel like once you climb that pyramid and climb the ladder of athletics, whatever you want to call it, ladder, pyramid, the skill level to get to the next ring of the ladder, it just it gets smaller and smaller. Everyone at, at that point is at similar skill level. So right. I feel like more so it's on the mental side. But just statistically speaking, do we know how much? you know, that is, that is, that is riding on the mental side of athletics. Yeah. I mean, I, I have not come across like a specific thing outside of, I think like in little giants, like back in the day in that movie, it was like 90% mental, you know? So, and it's, that's like, I, if that's true or not, I have no idea, but you know, you think about exactly what you were saying. Like there's, there's a physical ceiling, you know, like there's that everybody can, you know, when you're looking at whether you're talking high school sports, collegiate sports, professional sports, like everyone's within a similar vein of, of physical capability, but it's those athletes that, that add the mental equipment to their game that can help them, you know, rise to the the top of that level, which then helps you, you get further. And so there's, there's really, you know, who knows what that official number is, but I would, you know, personally and professionally, you know, argue that it's definitely in that, that 70 to 80, 90%, cause man, you have a day where just, and everybody can relate to this, even in or out of athletics, like where you are just, there's a million other things going on. You had a bad day the day before you're exhausted. You didn't, weren't able to get, but you now have to show up out of practice, even though you like missed something in the morning, but you have to pretend it's like, it's no way you're going to be focused to be able to like do that, you know, and and we expect athletes just to do that and don't Mm -hmm. give them skills for it. And so it's, a huge majority of the, the percentage of performance is, yeah, is mental. Definitely. Um, and so there's been a rise in anxiety and depression among, I think, young people in general, and especially young athletes, I'd say. Um, why do you feel that that's the case? And what are some things that young athletes can do to you know mitigate that and not allow these, you know, anxiety and depression to kind of creep into their life at, you know, kind of some alarming rates that we're seeing? Yeah, no, it's it, it the the numbers definitely are alarming, and you know this past year and a half, approaching two years with COVID, has like not done the mental and emotional health of, oh, of yeah. our of the mm-hmm. world any favors. Yep. But you know, a couple things contributing to it. You know, the expectations on you know our young generation are so huge right now. You know, I have these athletes that are playing sports year round, like the same sport. They're juggling multiple things. They're in three or four AP classes, you know, and so our society and culture overall has gotten a lot more competitive. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have also, you know, the impact of social media, which I am sure that you have covered in various points in your podcast. So we don't, and we don't need to dive into, into that, but we have that whole aspect of things. We also have, um, you know, just the impact of, 
people being so busy, we can't like be bored and hang out and create a lot of those social connectedness. And, you know, there's a lot of those things happening, but for, to manage any and all of that increased expectations and competition and competitiveness, no skills. So, you know, we teach math, we don't teach basic like emotion regulation, you know, to bring awareness to like, Hey, I am feeling stressed or, you know, I am feeling more sad or unmotivated. So oftentimes as well, then the problems, like they get bigger because we don't have any, any skill to be able to acknowledge, Hey, you know what, this is starting to happen. Maybe I should do something now. We don't, we don't have that. And it's also not something we encourage. And so a huge umbrella in the whole situation is the stigma, you know, just surrounding mental health, seeking services. It's, it's fortunately something we're talking about more, but ultimately, you know, if, if it's something that we're not, it's not accepted either in my home, within my culture, within my community, um, or the access isn't there. It's a huge barrier. Yeah. No. So there's this book, Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Coleman. I'm not sure if you've heard of it or read it, but he talks about emotional intelligence and it's the new IQ and how being able to regulate your emotions and understand where they're coming from and how to, you know, con- I guess not control them, but um, understand them and just work around them mm-hmm. is the new intelligence or the new yeah. IQ. And from being able to do that and have that skill, your actual, I guess, IQ and academia will skyrocket as well. So it just goes to show that being able to understand and regulate your emotions actually plays a role in your performance in athletics and in academics. Absolutely. Yet they're so neglected. Right. The irony, the irony, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of something I recently, I didn't, I haven't finished the book at all and it's heavy. So I like, I find myself restarting it, but it just kind of goes to show that, um, it was just interesting how his perspective is that emotional intelligence is now kind of more at the forefront than yeah. what we, you know, always thought in the past about, you know, academics and how, you know, they carry so much weight, but behind those layers, the emotions and, and being able to regulate that carry more. That's awesome. I could not agree more with that. Yeah. That's really um, cool. So from a peak performance perspective, um, what are some things that you tell athletes or just that athletes can do in general to stay at top at the top of their game? So I guess like when it, t- when you're at that top of that ladder or the pyramid, whatever you want to call it, or even those fighting their way up, mm-hmm. just some of those little tools or things that athletes can do to, to get to that peak. Cause I know that there's always that threshold and athletes like, why can't I get over that threshold? So essentially yeah. what are some things that athletes can do to kind of break through and, you know, be at, be at their peak? Absolutely. So First and foremost, and, and like, we won't like dive into this one, but, but getting sleep, um, the, the impact of sleep on performance cannot be stressed enough. And also the impact of sleep on our emotional health. Um, uh, when we're not rested, we're tired. It's like a magnifying glass to our emotions. And it, like, so sleep number one, first and foremost, extending it, getting good quality period, um, from athletes for, you know, if you're trying to dive into how do I help manage, you know, emotional, the emotional piece of my sport. Number one is awareness. Start paying attention to your body. When are you speeding up? Are you slowing down? You know, and you, you, that does not necessarily have to be limited for like when you are at practice or in a game, because you need to start learning the language your body speaks to you. Anxiety is going to happen. You know, pre-performance jitters, whatever you want to call it, it's going to happen. We just got to ride the wave of it. And so starting to pay attention to your body, what does that feel like for you? Developing a plan. Um, you know, and, and, and the plan is the equipment you're bringing mentally to the game. 
Um, one thing should, in addition to awareness, should absolutely be your breath. Our breath is one of the biggest and best tools, absolutely 100% to help us physically slow down. Only automatic thing in your body that you can control. Wonderful. Awareness, your breath, and then mentally, where are you at? You know, I know we talked about that confidence list. And so like bringing that, having that before your game, like now I'm starting to implant some really positive thoughts into my head. Now I'm in, I'm I'm being intentional about what I'm thinking, but even more than that, you want to have an intentional direction of your thoughts. Like they're going to go, even if you try to put them there, it's fair, but in terms of things that impact flow, it's emotional regulation and attention regulation. So you need to have a plan you need to have, whether it's a certain power phrase that for you, it's like, Hey, be the wall, or I am this, you know, something that to you is so motivating and really keeps you present in the moment. Cool. Could be focusing on your breath. It could be focusing on one or two parts of your technique. You know, I work with swimmers a lot. So maybe that's like, you know, strong pool, strong pool. And like, I I am intentionally, but ultimately you want to go in there with a plan. And so with those few things from awareness to your breath, to that plan, you know, you're, you're covering some bases there of doing something to physically slow yourself down and regulate what the impact physically of emotions will do Mm -hmm. to us. But mentally, you're also steering your thoughts intentionally in a direction that's going to be helpful for you, not harmful. And it does take practice. um, But on like a really short, here are like a couple things that people can do would, would definitely be where I would start. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that you said that. I love that you mentioned the breath work too, because that's something that's super important and also neglected. And I think people try it sort of and they, yes. oh, it doesn't work and then they give it up. But if, 100%. if you're intentional with it and you're conscious and mindful of your body and, and doing it in the right way and then you're patient with it, because you're literally doing nothing but breathing. And I feel like people kind of get, you know, in a weird state when they're like, I got to be doing more. I got to be doing more. But no, if you just take the time to breathe, I think it really does have beneficial um, effects to to mental health and just kind of having that control, like you mentioned. So I'm very happy that you mentioned that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. The breathing is so key. And I, I love whenever the Olympics are on, which they just were, I always like challenge my athletes to watch them. Cause I'm like, watch them. They are all taking breaths. You know, you look at volleyball players before they're serving, you're looking at divers before they are going off the board. You're looking at gymnasts before they do anything. Like it's there. These, those athletes that have made it there are doing it. Yep. Probably something that you should look into doing too. Exactly. No, that's awesome. So, um, yeah, no, this has been fantastic. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but um, just any final thoughts, words, or um, any piece of advice that you'd want to give maybe your younger self or someone who, you know, an athlete, you know, a young athlete who's, you know, kind of going through maybe the similar things that you did, just anything um, that comes to mind that you'd want to, you know, tell them. Yeah. I mean, I'd say like beyond, you know, definitely try out some of the the skills that we talked about today, because sometimes it's like, where do I even start? And then we don't. And so, you know, just start somewhere, whether that's taking a couple breaths, whether it's literally writing down in your phone, what you did while at practice that day, um, just start. And the best tool that we have for ourselves as humans in sport and beyond is awareness. And so if you're aware of like, Hey, like confidence wise, where am I at anxiety wise? Where am I at? You know, it might be kind of scary to be like, Ooh, I'm actually not that confident or, Ooh, I actually am really stressed, but you know what? Now you have a choice. And so awareness, like at the end of the day is, is, is the greatest tool that we can have in many different directions. Cause it gives us choice of like what to do now. And so, um, taking that step to start in that direction is, you know, can happen any day. And I would just encourage it. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I agree. Wise words. So thank you so much for that. And thank you again for your time. It was a pleasure having you on here. Thank you, Danny. This was, a, this was really fun.